Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. Today, I have one of the most wonderful humans from Reno, and this is Bryn Bruner. She is an unconventional, can assure you of that, brand strategist for unconventional people. She brings 30 plus years of visual design, branding, and wordsmithing to help visionary leaders communicate what they really do with ease and impact. When you can describe it, you can sell it. So psyched to have Bryn of MindSpark Branding here. Thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. And I have to be honest with you, that made me so excited when you read that bio because I really love helping people do that. (laughs) I know. It's definitely your zone of genius because you've worked with me and we're going to get there. (laughs) Yay. So we go way back to the beauty of our mutually aligned networking circles. Just going to say- I can't remember when that was. It just was someplace back then. Way back in the day. But I love, uh, and this is really the beauty of social media and online networking, is that you're way out in Reno and I'm here in Fairfield, Connecticut. And so fun. So- I've always loved hanging out with women who speak their truth unapologetically. And absolutely, when I think of a woman who speaks their truth unapologetically, it is you to a T. And I know that's why we're connected. And you've helped me in many ways get to the essence and the story behind my brand, that whole Simon Sinek start with why. So I'm going to start with your why. Why do you do the work you do, pulling the brilliance behind the brand out of people's heads like mine? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here to speak to your people and anybody else who's listening to this. I love this. And that's a great question. You could kind of make me happy just by asking me a great question. And I could just go, oh, yeah, for a while. So I'll, I'll try to harness my brain around that. It's really interesting when we're talking about truth. Uh, and you and I were talking off air before this. But what is true? And I'm a person for a long time who gave my truth over to other people to help me define or to take care of it or to help me figure out what it was I was all about. And Simon Sinek came through, you know, quite a while ago. And I, I think maybe 10 years ago, his first book was out. And I fell in love with that. But what I find about helping people bring out or speak their truth is that you have to first know what that is. And for me, and maybe for other people out there, it meant unpeeling a lot of layers of what I thought was the truth, or I thought what should be the truth, or I thought who I should be, or do, or say. 
And I worked with a lot of people over the years. And I found that what other people thought I should do or say or be got in the way of me knowing what that is to myself. I got littler instead of more expansive. Mm -hmm. So when I get to work with people now about speaking their truth, the first thing we do is we find out what it is. And I'm not a person who's interested in telling you what I think you, your truth should be or what your story should be. My whole process is all around questions. And I think I remember you sitting in that chair in that retreat up at Lake Tahoe, sitting in that corner chair by the fireplace, and you were really, you were really mulling it over and really looking back at those old memories to find out how they gathered together to be who you are, where you come from. Like we have our own provenance. We have our own through line and our own guidance system. And nobody knows that except for us. Whatever we are, however we're guided, whatever, whatever source is our truth, only we can know who that is for ourselves. And I think that that comes from being really quiet and finding out where you came from, finding out your own questions that mean something to you. Does that sound familiar? Does that bring up memories from being back then? I loved being out there. So for those who aren't in the know, I think it was fall of 2018. Or like 13,000 years ago, right? Right? Doesn't it feel like 13,000 years ago? Yeah. (laughs) And and Brynn has access to a beautiful family home right on Lake Tahoe and uh, South Lake Tahoe. And and the beauty is in its being a family home. And I'd almost say cabin doesn't feel exactly right. Yeah, it's pretty rustic. But it's pretty rustic. But it's it's peaceful and it the way the retreat went, it gave us time. Notice I'm trying to talk about something introspective and so I'm getting introspective. Um, to be introspective and mm-hmm. to step away from everything. I think the only time I was really derailing was when I was worried about something back home, which ironically was taken care of. But it just says everything about how we should just let, excuse the expression, go, just let it go. So getting up in the morning, swimming in the lake, having time to be, which is a huge theme of mine right now, Having time you know, when I think about pause. that too, it's like to be with the light, the quality of the light, right? And the smell of the mountains and the big, huge, like the color and the light and the green and the blue of the water. It puts you in a different place. It does, and then we went hiking. Yeah, that was and fun. hiking was amazing, and I love hiking, so that was a blast. And 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 we ladies, I'm I'm still in touch with everybody that I met that day. That's great. Which I love. Am I in touch? Like I pick up the phone and talk to them every day? No, of course not. But I mean, they, again, we were talking earlier about social media and this power mm-hmm. of connection can happen in that way. I'm now friends with people who I would never have met otherwise. I think that we can all tell that story when I think about people. Oh, she's a good friend. And I think, oh my gosh, I've never seen her below like this button. <laughs> <laughs> right? Never seen her below the collarbone. That is we're, really fun. we're all lucky to have people that we connect with no matter where they are. Yeah, it was wonderful. So I love that we're talking about that because it was such an inspirational time and it's really influenced how I think now. And 
as I'm working on my own marketing and branding and stories and images and whatnot, I'm noticing that I'm telling a lot of stories that are much more like those campfire stories. So I'll give an example. This summer, I learned how to surf. I don't know if you knew this. I saw those pictures. And it became an entire theme for how one can be productive and the lessons you learn from surfing. What? Right? And so as we were talking before we got on, we were talking about how the theme that you got out of all the things I wrote about was the keeper of the hearth and, and also spoke about it that. But as I look at it now, and we just, just discussed this, so it's so fresh and new, is that it's more campfire. And I just love building campfires and having outdoor fires and roasting marshmallows and making s'mores and then getting... So campfires are like a tactile memory, isn't it? Yeah. More than than in our home, but it's like a fire is like a tactile memory. Can I just show you what I brought out? Oh, yeah, you have to, please. I hope it's really great. Mess kit that's that's way better than the one I used to have in Girl Scouts, right? <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about that in a minute. But it, you know, we have all our little things in our containers and and our little spork. And I know Catherine, you were talking about sporks. So campfires. So there's a thing about story, and it came up for me when I was investigating this. Is what story has happening in our minds. And I don't know if you've explored this yourself or your listeners, but there's a thing called neurocoupling, where when I'm telling you a story about that time that we were at the old quarry and there was that rope swing and you said, don't go. And I said, screw that. I'm out of here. Woo! And I leap off and I fall into the cold, cold water. The part of my brain that's lighting up, if you were on a little EKG or whatever, the same part of your brain, we have neurocoupling. We're matching each other. We're built for story. That's just amazing. So my camp story around the spork is, and I don't think we had sporks back then, but maybe we did. I don't remember. It's a really long time ago since I went to summer camp in Colorado. We would get on the plane on Continental, and we were young teens. She tells you everything you need to know. And inevitably, we would be worried that we didn't have silverware for our camping trips when we were out there. So we would snag back in the day before everything was plastic, the silverware that Continental provided. And that's what we used camping. Perfect sense. And it's just so dang funny because it really was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. But in retrospect, it's a fun story to tell Mm -hmm. because it then brings up all these associations for me. Do you know I still remember some of the names of the people I went to camp with back there? Somehow there's some sort of weird shortcut in our minds about remembering people from way back then. Um, Right. And yet there are other people who I don't remember at all, but there was a group of four of us who were really, really tight at camp. (laughs) Say again. Like the one I met last week. Oh yeah. What was her name? (laughs) There's truth to that too. For those people that we just want to forget, but that's not going to be the topic of today's podcast. Tempting though it is. So here we are, we're talking about stories and inspiration. And one of the things I'm finding, bring this back to business, is I'm getting all these messages in the emails about, we care about you during COVID. And it feels like, and I, well, I want to say this first, it's well-intentioned, it's well-meaning, 
This is not me criticizing people. It's about saying it's more noise. And how can we use our stories and what we want to, I don't want to say teach people because I feel like that's a little bit, oh, I know more than you. And I don't mean it that way. But what we want to impart to people in mm-hmm. a way that cuts through that we care about you noise. Well, I'm glad you asked that. And I have a theory that business, the act of doing business, of serving our clients and our customers and being served by people that serve us is, an, is a transmission of caring. I feel like business is caring. Mm. And I feel like that our story and I, I've got it. I've got a really geeky theory, and I don't know if I've ever told you about my tuning fork thing. Can I tell you? Yeah, I love, but you've got to tell the story because it's okay, so, so I found good. Out. Remember, I'm staying in a corral. Okay, so now I found out that if you have a tuning fork and it's the key of green, and you have another tuning fork and it's also the key of green, which this is not obviously, and you ding this one, it sounds. And if I mute this first one the sound jumps the gap. So if I ding this one, and it never touches. So the sound jumps the gap. And I've been obsessed with this. I told a story about meeting this conductor, you know, about a month ago. But what I finally figured out why I'm obsessed with this is because I think what transmits, what jumps the gap between you and me and your listeners and people that they care about, businesses, in the act of caring, what jumps a gap has got to be love. It's an act, like caring as an action verb. So when we're sharing our stories in what I call the COVID cocoon, because in many ways, despite the hardships and the pain and the loss, it's been a rich time for me. It's like a rich, quiet, internal time of how do I, who do I want to be in the world? How do we want to be together? How are we part of the same team instead of across all the divisions? And the stories or the act of caring that we transmit to our people, I feel like that's, that's the magic stuff. It's the stuff that matters. It's in a way, like those of us who are parents, we think about our kids. We can think about the things that we would tell them to do and habits that we want them to teach. But when I think back about moments that have mattered between my son and I, it's, it's that what jumps the gap and is it the fun that jumps the gap? It's the memory that we made. It's the active inquiry into something that we're both curious about. I remember a conversation driving across the Bay Bridge into San Francisco, and, and he was like, hmm, I wonder if all the guy wires were actually tuned to a musical note, and the wind came through, would it make a sound? And I realized I've just geeked out on sound again. But it's those inquiries that really are fascinating to me. So maybe in this time of COVID, when we're all looking to expand our brand presence online, because that's what we need to do in order to stay in business, maybe the inquiry is a quiet one. Maybe it's not a proclamation or a declaration or the finger of expertise coming out to wag at people, but maybe it's an inquiry that we can share. And when and if we share this line of thought or this, like, I don't know, like a fishing hook of curiosity. What will we reel in together? What would we create together? So I feel like this is just this really rich time of co-creation. What do we want to create internally? What do we want to create as a society? 
What do we want to create as a business? It just really lights me up, makes me very curious. I love all that. And I'm a huge fan of the tuning fork because I used to sing in a corral. And uh, I remember that experience. You, you end up making the music together. And it's fascinating. I know but she also gave you the moment to, to take the baton and conduct. And yeah. that must have been unbelievable. I had done it only once. And it's very powerful in the best of all possible ways. To be honest, I, I was not expecting this. Like I wanted to introduce, the, I wanted to talk to this lady. She was a conductor here in Reno. I wanted to have coffee with her and ask her about the tuning forks and ask if I could, I don't know, hook her up to an EKG or something because I suspect something is jumping the gap besides her baton and besides the expert musicianship. And so when we came in, to this leadership seminar and she was teaching us through the orchestra. The most meaningful time was when I got to sit in the musicians, sit within the bubble because I think it would be so fun to lay on the floor and feel the music kind of rise up from every angle. So to feel what was transmitted and then to understand it later, I feel like if we could do business through transmission of caring, then I think that we would solve so many dilemmas. I think that it would solve the sales dilemma. How do I sell? How do I not be pushy? How do I not, how do I stand out? I think this makes me think of the TED Talks next. It's like, if we get clear on what we care about and why it matters, so that start with why, for me, it kind of comes down to a basic thing of why does it matter? And that's quiet. It's not this. Before we jump to Ted, which I'm dying to talk about, of course, me, I really want to talk about why it's more important now than ever to be clear on your story and to tell your story. You know, it took me, I'm going to say four years before I could even really tell my story about going through cancer. Because what would happen every time is I would cry because I was still so close to it. Now I'm far enough away that I can tell aspects of it and it's not this big, supercharged event for me. You know, I can come from a place of love around it and be caring for other people who are going through it now. I remember when I first sort of was coming out of it, everybody wanted to ask me questions. Everybody wanted stuff and I still wasn't ready. And of course, I felt very strongly that having been a survivor, that it was my job to help people also get through it. Now I can do that in a very gracious, wonderful way. And and maybe that's just the passage of time. So is it interesting, Catherine, when we think about how many survivors there are right now globally, that we're all in a global state of trying to survive this and help each other through it and to tell those stories? I can't imagine all the people that have lost people and have had to have a funeral on Zoom to So again, I think it comes back to that transmission of love. Right. So why is it so important to tell our story now? Well, certainly on a, on a nuts and bolts level so that we can continue to be in business. Right. But if business is a transaction, which many businesses have like health insurance and whatever things that I buy, that's a whole nother level of business. But if business is, an, is, a, is a transformation and a transaction of caring, a transformation of what matters to me 
beamed out through Zoom and the universe into a transmission and a kind of a collective gathering of what matters to you, then we can move the whole planet along. So why is it important to tell our stories now? You know, it gives me shivers because it's important to move us all along together into who we're becoming. I'm really interested in who we are in the act of becoming. And a story we tell, even a story that meant a lot to us four years ago, it's evolved, it's moved, it's become something else. And when we talk about branding your business, it's not like a moment in time. That's who I am. That's what I talk about. We're all actively becoming, right? So the brand that we live in and we inhabit, just like our body and our mind and what we're curious about, it's continuing to unfold. Mm. I'm sorry, that really excites me. (laughs) I don't think you should ever be sorry for what you're excited about. That's just me. So to do business in a state of excitement and unfolding, that's as good I I have to tell you, I get that same sort of high, I guess is the only word I can come up for. It's when I see a client, you know, clicking along and recognizing that I really mean you need to take a day off and then they do it or they suddenly get the system that works for them. You know, I have people who say, oh, you know, you use Asana, but I like a paper planner. And I say, well, if a paper planner is what's working for you, we're going to work within the paper planner, even though I don't paper plan. And in a way I kind of do, because I do put sticky notes on a calendar and I lay it all out and then it goes in Asana. So I think it's crucial when we're in the transformation business that we recognize that we're not all the same and we're not going to get to the same place the same way. It's just a matter of let's all get there in a loving, gentle kind of way. Or being in the process of getting like, so I don't know if you recall this from our time in Tahoe, but one of the things I do with my clients is I help them create an emotional roadmap which is like a resonance roadmap because people are like, I don't know what to say. They, they come to me like, I don't know the words. I don't know what to say. I do this really weird, cool thing, which I love. But to create a mo- roadmap of where your clients are before you start working with them and then how they move through into different emotional spaces. So not only are we not all the same, but we move in different ways and we have different pivot points that go, oh, oh right? So my forte is not productivity. I wish it was, but it's not. But when I find a moment of like a pivotal moment of, oh, everything changed on that dime. Now look what's possible. Mm -hmm. So I think the thing that we're all offering our clients, whether we're a coach or a consultant or a business, we're offering that, oh, what else is possible? And if this, this tool or that tool or strategy or whatever, but it's a transformation of possibility in our minds. I love it. I know. So fun. (laughs) So now I'll go over to talking about TEDx. And I love that you are a speaker trainer in TEDx. I think that's amazing. And it's certainly on my dream list to eventually do a TEDx talk. I constantly look at them and then chicken out and say, oh, I don't really have anything unique and interesting to say, which is baloney. Mm -hmm. But I will, you know, one day finally get the courage. I am in Toastmasters now. I am speaking. I found that through the podcast, I've gotten a number of opportunities to speak. And I would say pretty much I'm being interviewed at least once a week now. Good for you. Which is great. And it's definitely where I wanted to go momentum wise. 
uh, they're not in-person meetings, which was my plan, was by now I'd be out speaking at in-person events, but that's sort of on pause. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing for me. I think it's been really good because there's been well, a lot of one-on-one the, interviews. The should and ought expectation and let you really be where you are. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's super fun. I really enjoy it. I didn't think I would. Once I got past the whole how I look on camera thing, it, it made it a lot easier. So let's talk about your viewpoint on things like TEDx and getting out there and speaking, whether someone just wants to do it in order to uh, tell a story like Storytelling Nights, which are super fun. I've done that too. Or whether they want to get into a full-blown speaking career out there in the world. I have fallen in love with Ted. I think I was always in love with Ted because what's it about is ideas worth sharing. And if you're a person like me, whose kind of primary engine is curiosity, I was thinking this morning is like, even when I'm in a kind of uh, um, COVID morning, so I'm like if I think, what am I curious about? That's all it takes. So Ted is a direct feed for me to be around people that have these big juicy ideas is Fabulous. So I've been looking at TED Talks forever. And then about three, four years ago, I became involved on the volunteer committee to help bring TED to University of Nevada at Reno, which we call TEDx UNR, University of Nevada. Anyway, what I love about that is I'm surrounded by a team of people, all of whom are helping a speaker move to the next stage. Mm-hmm. So as a TEDx speaker trainer, we meet them at certain points in their journey. First, they've just written their talk. So we let them read it and then we say, okay, well, what are we going to whack out and what are we going to move around? Then, then the next stage, they've more memorized it and they can look at if they lose their way. And then a few months later, we, and then we meet again, you know, a few weeks before where they actually go on the stage to talk about stagecraft. And what I've fallen madly in love with is a few things. One is, is the intensity I'm like in this bubble of ideas and we're working all day to help them tighten that idea up and move some part of it forward to help the audience. So I'd love to tell you that some of the main takeaways that I've learned from working with TED speakers that are helpful for anybody who is a speaker now or who wants to be a speaker, whether that's at your local Toastmasters or if you're speaking on stages already, here's a couple of things that are really important to any speaker. One, be really clear on what your big idea is. Mm-hmm. Now. We are all experts in the thing that we've fallen in love with, right? So for you, it's productivity. You have lots of ideas about productivity. If you started talking about it, you would be carrying this knowledge that all the way through. But I might not know anything about it. The people in the audience might not know about it. So one of the things we do is we try to find what is that big idea and might be really clear to the speaker, but not so clear to the audience. So we take that and we tend to move that up in the speech so the audience is right there like, okay, I know what we're talking about here. And another thing that we work on with people is making sure that the details, so TEDx speak is generally between 8 and 15 minutes tops. A real TED speak is 18 minutes hard stop. Mm-hmm. So people get really excited and they want to tell their whole story and all of the details in 12 minutes. And so they talk really fast and they try to include all these really, really precious things. So one of the things that we tell our speakers is kill your baby, (laughs) kill your babies. And what that means is these details that really mean something to you, like the bathing suit that I wore back in eighth grade was blue with purple dots, not an important detail to advance my narrative. So Mm. is it actually moving your story forward? 
So when I hear from people, and I hear a lot from people who want to be a TED speaker, it's an interesting bubble. Like one of the speakers that I worked with over this last TED, which was in February, was Patrick Lencioni, who is a renowned speaker and a multi, you know, multi best-selling speaker on books. But TED is a different venue. He's been doing keynotes forever. Right. TED's different. It's a concentrated bubble. And it supports an idea. TED is not about my life story. TED's not a storytelling venue. It's an idea advancing venue that has to do with technology, education, or design. So we have a few no-nos that we we don't accept speeches that are purely inspirational or on mindfulness. Those are two that we're like, we don't necessarily accept people that are just telling their story. Because... It needs to be an idea that's going to advance the narrative in the audience. It's going to make the audience go, whoa, really? So, or it tells them something they never knew about. One of our most popular speeches last February was a guy that owns a distillery. And he was talking about how we make whiskey and the connection between fermentation and climate change. Okay. So that's all it takes for me to be super happy is to get an idea I'd never thought of and go, Oh, so when I'm working with people that want to be TED speakers, we first look at the idea and I'm pretty straight up, brutally honest. You could say, is this a TED idea? That doesn't mean that it's not a great keynote idea, but is it a TED idea? And we have a lot of people who don't have TED ideas. We also have a lot of people that like, Ooh, I want to do a TED talk so I can just notch it on my bedpost what makes a really powerful TED speaker is a really powerful idea. Mm. And the idea, so if I was going to advise somebody thinking about TED, it'd be like, what's the idea that you're in love with? Become a scholar of that idea. So for me, it's this weird like fascination with tuning forks and then sound. And will that ever be a TED talk? I don't know, but I really like thinking about it. <laughs> and it's not necessarily to advance my name. So the good speakers are the good speakers who are in love with an idea and in love with transmitting. I think it's that then transmission of, of care and interest and excitement and love again for me to the audience. And the ones that feel most mm, strong and vital and alive on the stage instead of <clears throat> are when they feel that idea fill them and I just can't help but share it. Ah, oh, I just love that. And I, I am a huge fan of Ted. And, I, and one of the things that you didn't talk about as much, because let's face it, the big idea is the one that's really amazing to talk about, is this whole idea that TED is very, very short and you have to narrow down. And one of the reasons I did Toastmasters was to learn how the hell to narrow down the speech. So right. that speech about uh, me learning productivity lessons from surfing, I could do in seven minutes. Toastmasters, right. or I could do in an hour. But what happens in each of those time frames is totally different. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's like being in surgery where you have to chop out what's not important in order to get to the point. And if you've been, in, if you've been to a TED conference and it's like, wow, I'm in six hours of speeches, it's, it's a right. lot. So you have to sort of respect the, the mind space of the audience and get to the point. And of course, we use stories to get our points across. We don't speak in data. We have a lot of scholars and a lot of academicians that come speak in TED 
because um, we're especially we're a university related one. It's like, how do you get them to back off all the data? Right. Data is important, but quote after quote after quote or statistic after just becomes just like a mush of information instead of a compelling story that moves this whole idea forward. Right. And it's funny you say that. I cannot remember who it was, which is probably good. There was a person who just kept saying, and it wasn't necessarily Ted either. I don't remember where it was. Quote after quote after quote. And I was like, do you have an original thought? I've heard all these quotes. And so that's interesting because, so we talked about speaking your truth. And a lot of times people will bring out quotes in order to bolster their own truth because they don't necessarily believe it yet. Ooh. Right? Interesting. if we don't believe it yet, we'll like back it up with other things. And all I think of is Brene Brown and how she is relentlessly raw, courageous, right. real, which means shit, I don't know. Right? It's, it's, I think there's some really big power in being able to say, I don't know. And then follow it up with, but I'll try to find out for you. Or I know someone who does know. Or what my coach does is like, hmm. that's one of my very favorite sentences when I'm working with a client. Hmm. What do you, what do you think that means? Right? right. Like, because I might be making an assumption in my head and they're over there thinking their own thought. We're all allowed to think our own thoughts. And if you want to be a speaker or you want to ripen your brand and bring it more to fruition, especially in this COVID cocoon, then my what I would suggest is I was going to say my advice and then I kind of got the little creepy crawlies on that is to invest, become a scholar of your own idea mm-hmm. and investigate it. Check it out. Who else is talking about that? For example, we had a speaker this, this last Ted who talked on trafficking, sex trafficking. That's not the first time anybody's ever talked about trafficking. Right. What's the different angle? There's a lot of brand new thoughts in Ted. Oh my gosh, I've never heard about that. And then there's a lot of not brand new thoughts. But the point is, can you bring a new perspective to an old subject matter? And so as thought leaders ourselves, we're not all cut out to be thought leaders. But if you want to be, then you need to invest in your unique perspective, your point of view, and like your take on the world. And why does that matter to you? And watch out with the finger about why that should matter to your audience. But allow them to have the rising up for their own truth and say, why does that matter to me? I'm like, hmm, how can we work on that together? Why, how can we combine forces and become a greater force together? Mm. If we all did that as business people, I think it would be, I'd be really excited to see that. That would be amazing. Miss Brent, how can people find you? Well, go to my website, mindsparkbranding.com. Or you can shoot me an email right there. I am really interested in talking to people who do work that doesn't fit in any kind of a box or a silo. My clients are often polymaths that draw from a number of different experiences and resources and points of view. And they're distressed about, how do I pull it all into one umbrella? How do I talk about what I do? Those are the funnest people for me to work with. So if you're stuck on the words... I can help really fast because I had never heard the word polymath before. I definitely heard of no more Namby Pamby. I loved that on your website, but 
What is a polymath? Okay, so you're talking to a word geek, first of all. So if you have a new word. That and likewise. Of, I'm like, oh boy. Okay, so a polymath is something that I discovered just about a year and a half ago. And a polymath is a scholar of many things. Hmm. So some of us, Tim Ferriss wrote an article called The Polymath or The PhD. Now, I always thought of myself as a dabbler. Like, hmm. what do I know? I know a whole bunch of things. But in fact, and other people, you know, they became a hearty heart surgeon or they became a, you know, a scholar in a specific thing. And I find myself deeply drawn to scholarship in many areas, which means my point of view is drawn from a number of different areas. And so are many of my clients. They're like, ah, how do I find the words becomes another issue of how do I talk about myself? Because there's just so many things going on. Right. I get that. Super. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. We always have brain blasts when we're together <laughs> while like hanging out with you. Thank you wish, so much. I wish there was a way we could live a little closer, but we'll have to figure that whole thing out. Eventually, we'll be able to fly again. Right. Well, thank you, Catherine, for having me. Thank you, too. And may your people have many brain blasts. Amen to that. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.